Hi guys, it's Lindsay Pinchuk, host of Dear Founder. And in case you missed it, I recently made a huge announcement. You've been telling me for months how hard it is to wrap your head around marketing your business. And a few weeks ago, 89% of you told me in a survey that you needed help. Between finding time, being consistent, and simply feeling burnt out, it's nearly impossible. And I want to change that because it doesn't have to be. You can now join my brand new community and group mentorship, Marketing Made Simple for Small Business. You don't need a million followers or a million dollar budget to grow your business. What you do need are the right tools, a process, step-by-step guidance, and a little bit of support along the way. Consider it an extension of your company, your very own marketing department at your fingertips while you're working each and every day. When you join, you'll have access to three monthly live group strategy calls with me, access to ask me your marketing questions within our community, ebooks, guides, checklists with step-by-step instructions, and a community of women business owners to collaborate with, bounce ideas off of, and to support you. And let me tell you, Based on who has already joined this group, you are all in for a treat. And in 2024, I'll be bringing in guest speakers and I'll introduce a whole host of additional resources to support you. The doors are open and founding members will be grandfathered in to the lowest pricing ever offered. Plus, when you join at the annual or lifetime level, you get a big bonus, hour-long one-on-one strategy sessions with me. The link to join is in the show notes, or you can simply go to www.lindsaypinchuk.com. Get excited. I am. I can't wait to work with you and to help make your marketing simple to build and grow your brand and bottom line. Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. On today's episode, we are talking to an incredible woman who I recently reconnected with, someone who I studied abroad with in London many eons ago and used to sit next to in communications classes and who now owns the premier communications agency in Atlanta. Wait until you hear what she's built and how she's built it. But before we get into today's conversation, I wanted to say hi. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. And for those of you who are new around here, I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. After a decade in corporate America, I started my own company back in 2010 with just a $500 investment. I grew that business to reach 3 million users per month across multiple platforms and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight. I built this company through practical, cost-effective organic marketing strategies. And this was all before I led its acquisition to a large agency holding company in 2019. Two years later, I exited with one goal, to support other female founders and entrepreneurs. This podcast is my weekly, sometimes twice weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. Today, 
I use my experience and proven strategies to make marketing simple for you and your brand. Honestly, that's it. My mission is very straightforward. So if there's anything you want to hear about or anything that you want me to share to help you through your own journey, I invite you to reach out. All you have to do is email me, lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com or shoot me a DM at lindsaypinchuk. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it text it to a friend, or share it in your stories. If you tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk or at Dear Founder, I will absolutely come and say hi. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would love it if you left a five-star rating or a review, as that's how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories that we share here. All you have to do is go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Founder. The link is in the show notes. You can leave that rating or review on Apple Podcasts or again, anywhere that you listen. So let's meet today's guest. Jennifer Babbitt Bodner is the founder and CEO of of Atlanta's premier communications agency, Babbitt Bodner. Jennifer Bodner started her firm after a long career at Edelman Public Relations. She took a leap of faith and she never looked back. Babbitt Bodner is an independent communications consultancy named one of Atlanta's 20 largest public relations firms by Atlanta Business Chronicle. Their mission is pretty simple. They're laser focused on customer service, and you're going to hear Jen talk about it today. They provide the companies that they work with, the attention that they deserve, and the teams built for their needs. How do they do this? Well, come on in and find out. Come meet Jennifer Babbitt Bodner. Welcome back to Dear Found Her. I'm really excited about today's guest because we recently reconnected. Today's guest and I, we studied abroad together in London and we had communications classes together and we have a lot of mutual friends who so graciously brought us back together 20 years later and we've had some wonderful conversations. But today on the show, we have Jen Bodner, who is the founder and CEO of Babbitt Bodner which is a communications consultancy. And I'm so excited that you're here, Jen. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited. So let's kick things off. I'd love for you to share your story. How did you start your firm? Where did where did this all come from? Well, it's funny. We had a group of students in our office today on a tour. And so I got to tell them my my story as well. I never took a public relations class in my life, never took a communications class. I did not know what PR was. And I say all this to tell you about how I got started, that a lot of it is who you know, not what you know. And I moved to New York because that was my dream after college. And my I had a month to, you know, my parents would help me out. And then I had to find a job doing anything. And it was the dot-com boom. And I went on about 30 interviews and no one was hiring. And on day 29, I ran into a sorority sister of mine. And she said, I think I can get you a job at a PR firm. And I said, well, I don't know what that is, but I'll take it. (laughs) And the rest is history. They hired me the next week. I jumped right in. I started learning. It was a boutique PR agency. From there, I went and worked at Edelman, which is the world's globus, glo- largest global PR firm. I was there for 13 years in New York and then Atlanta. And eight years ago, today is actually our eight-year company anniversary. Oh, my God. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. So eight years ago today, I took a big leap of faith and decided to go out on my own. Um, I am a born into a family of entrepreneurs. 
It's in my blood. I am so grateful to the Edelman family forever. I learned more in those 13 years. I worked with some of the largest brands in the world. I worked with, ran the Starbucks account, Microsoft, eBay, traveled the globe. But I was really ready to be my own boss. I had had my third child. I was ready to see if I could do this. And I had one client. And I said, and this is really important if anybody's in this field, I said to them, I'm thinking about going out on my own. Will you come with me? And they said, we don't care about the agency name on the door. It's about who is our account person? Who is our day-to-day interaction? And that you're our person, so we're going to go where you go. And it was such a great learning, right? It's really about the people. It's about the talent. Most clients on the buy side do not care about that agency name behind you. Um, so, yeah, so that was eight years ago. We have grown tremendously since then. We now have over 10 employees across the country. We work with 20 or more um, clients, including Honey Baked Ham, which is a big favorite, especially on the East Coast, uh, the Peach Bowl, uh, which is a great football game, and um, Georgia Pacific, which makes brands like Brawny, Quilted Northern, Angel Soft, some of your favorite beloved household brands. So we've grown in numbers, we've grown in geography, we've grown in the types of work that we do. And on top of all that, we're having a blast. You know, I, I know your audience is a lot about being an entrepreneur and being a founder. And I'll tell you, it is a, <laughs> it is true, the roller coaster ride of it all, but I couldn't be enjoying it more. Well, congratulations. I'm, I didn't know that today was your big anniversary or else I would have said it when we first got on. All right. But I'd like to dial it back a little bit and I'd like for you to explain to our listeners what exactly it is that you do. Yes. I believe at the core of every brand, every person, every company, there is a, a great narrative there. You know, what an origin story, a, a great tale to tell. And what we do is we help people and brand tell those stories. You know, we talk about brand reputation and brand protection. So those are really the two big areas that we help with. You know, on the reputation side is what do you want to be known for? What is that story? What differentiates you? And on the protection, it's protection from your competitors. It's protection in times of crisis or issues. Um, It's protection in terms of your identity. And so, you know, at at the highest level, that's really what we do. How we do it is through media relations. If you pick up a newspaper and you read about honey baked ham, it's because we helped get that in there. We do social media, you know, again, mostly organic, working with influencers to again tell those stories, build brand reputation. And then we do a lot of thought leadership. So working with executives at companies on telling their stories and where should they be showing up? Because, you know, a company is the people. And so that's a really, whether you're a Coca-Cola or you're a, a tiny startup, the people are a big part of that story and you want to make sure you're getting that message out there as well. So I also want to dial it back to when you took that leap of faith and you left Edelman because, you know, and I know you and I have talked before, you you completely value that experience and I know that that, is, that experience is so important to you. I know you said you had your third kid and you wanted to go out on your own. 
But what was it? Like, what was that actual catalyst that, that allowed you to cut the cord? Because it's a really big decision. It's a really big risk when you go from having this corporate career where you are a leader in your industry, a leader at your company, and you decide to leave. I mean, it's no small feat. I think, though, you know, I don't know that there was some big catalyst. It wasn't like I had a terrible experience or uh, I lost a client. I think if you're an, an entrepreneur at heart, you have this hunger to see if you can do it. And I think I had always had that. And and I always ask myself, and I do this with all my clients, like, what is the worst thing that can happen? You know, the worst thing is... I wasn't going to get any clients. I was going to fail. And I was going to have to go back and find a job at an agency. It's okay. I could, I, I was at a point in my life. I had support from family like that. I could handle the worst case scenario and having that one client that was willing to go with me. That is a huge confidence boost. And they, they were willing, you know, their fees were enough that I could keep dinner on the table. You see me smiling right now, and I don't know how, how much you've listened to me, but that is my litmus test for everything me, is me what's too. the worst that, ha- that could happen. And if you can live with it, then it's, you, you should see it through and see if you can see it through. So, you know, in public relations, it's always a, a disaster. Like there's always things going wrong. It doesn't matter if you do things perfectly, something goes wrong. The messaging showed up in an article wrong, the event people didn't show up, the technology didn't work, whatever. So, you know, I I have that as a mantra to myself, but then also in everything we do for clients, I go into it thinking, all right, what's going to, what's going to go wrong. And then my other mantra is you got to have a plan B, C, D, and E, you know? And so I I think it's like, I, I feel that way for my clients and the work, but also for life. I mean, if this doesn't work out, if we lose every business tomorrow, what are my five other options? And I think, you know, again, preparing for the worst and is the best way to be because then you're always happily surprised. Totally. So one of the, the biggest differences I would imagine is, yes, you took your one client with you and your client came with you, but now you are also in a place where you have to find other clients and you have to develop your business. So how was that transition? Because it's very different running an account and managing an account and then running an account, managing an account, and doing biz dev. That's right. So I, I'm a natural networker. I love to be out and about in the community. I love to meet people. I love to connect people as well. So, so that part was easier for me than it might be for others. Um, I will say, you know, at Edelman, we were working on these global pieces of business. And it was great, but I never got to lean back into, I was never as involved in the community and my city. And so that is a really big pillar of the of, of our team. And what I ask of my teammates is like, everybody needs to be involved. We are out at events all the time. We are involved on boards. We are involved in charitable organizations. I mean, I have a team of 10 and they are all in, in and about in the community, you know, and it's based on their personal passions and where they want to invest their time. But, you know, back to my initial story, I mean, it's all who, you know, that is, that's how we build our business, right? Like we're not running 
Google ads right now. We're not, I mean, our, our biz dev strategy is very relationship driven, very word of mouth and very much networking. So if you could tell a service-based business owner who's just getting started, like three things that you would do to go out and find business, what would those three things be? I mean, first of all, like get out of your house, get out of your office and go be at networking industry, again, charitable events. There's a follow-up to that, which is you got to talk to people at these events. You know, you you have to like push yourself out of your comfort zone and go introduce yourself. I mean, I tell my team everywhere they go, they need to give out at least 10 business cards. And that's a rule. And it's hard. I mean, it is so hard for people. You know, not everybody's a super extrovert like me. But once you start doing it, you really get good. Second, I'd say LinkedIn. I mean, we talk to our clients a lot about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a really powerful tool, especially if you feel a little more comfortable behind a screen, you know. So don't it's not just about posting, but go follow groups. Go find the people that you aspire to be and see what kind of content they're sharing. Um, you know, I'd say that's that's a really important piece. And then the third is, you know, put a little public relations behind it. <laughs> I think you got to get, you know, how do you spread the news about what you're doing and and what it is, again, that your your point of differentiation and how do you share that with a bigger audience? So let's talk about that. Someone who is either just getting started or who maybe has found themselves in a place where they can finally hire a public relations firm. What yep. what would you say are really important things to be looking out for, looking for, asking during that process, because it does have to be a fit both ways. That's for sure. And I, you know, just as much, you know, you interview clients as much as they interview you, but I think a lot of first timers, you know, are hesitant to invest in that, in that budget and spend the money and they're worried about what am I going to get out of it? So what would you tell people to look for? Yeah. I mean, Lindsay, it goes back to that story with my first client. I think the number one question is, who is my team? Who am I going to be working with? A lot. I see a lot of times agencies do what we call bait and switch. Sure do. Where they come in with these, you know, their head of creative or their head of this. And then once they win the business, it's the intern that's working it. You know, so I would really make an agreement on who are the people? I want to spend time with them. I think that's critical. Um, I think, you know, what are the values of the com- of the agency? Like you have to match your values and, and what you're looking for. I mean, that's just critical in any relationship. Mm-hmm. And then we have a model that we call scrappy strategic. That is at the root of everything that we do. And I think this is really important when you're looking for a PR or advertising, any type of creative firm. And what I mean by that is you have to lead with strategy. You know, you don't want to work with someone that they're just picking up the phone and calling everybody on their list and have no strategy behind them. I mean, you know, strategy is key. But you also want people that can turn on a dime. You know, that are looking at what's trending. What is the conversation happening out there? I mean, inserting yourself into a conversation is a lot easier than trying to create your own conversation. So, you know, looking for people that have agility, but also do understand strategy is really important. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. Talk to me about why it's so important for a brand to have a public relations firm. You know, you, you know and I think you know, there's so many different agencies, right? You can have an ad agency, you can have a branding agency, you can have a marketing agency. Why is PR important? PR is the ultimate credibility driver. You know, think about how you feel if you see an ad for Coke, I'm going to use Coca-Cola as an example, or if you read an article written by a you know, leading taste expert about how the new Coke is the greatest thing to ever come out of sodas. Which one is, you know, sort of more compelling to you and do you believe? I think it's the the earned media coverage, right? I mean, that's PR is just important because it's it's a credibility driver. And again, it's it's your brand reputation. I mean, I don't care if you're a one hundred dollar business or a one million dollar business, your reputation is all you have. And you want someone and you want to work in a, in a marketing channel that is going to tell that story and help you break through. If you have a limited budget for PR, what, what would you suggest is the most important factor to consider? You know, look, I wish everybody would work with us and, and have a huge PR spend for those that don't. You know, it, it is a relationship driven business. So if you are just getting started and you want to get known in the PR, you know, with your media context, it's like everything in startup world, right? Like pull up your boots and go do it. Go find your local newspapers and magazines, reach out to them, use LinkedIn, look up their email, show up at their office. I mean, set up coffees. You know, you can do this at the beginning <laughs> on your own. Um, and, and these and once you start to get to know the editors and the journalists, like they'll know you and they'll call you for stories that they're working on. I mean, you want to create the relationship and then maintain that relationship. So I would encourage anybody that's just getting started, if they're not ready to spend, at least spend the time to get to know that your local reporters and key influencers in your business. And I mean, I, I'm going to dovetail on that really quickly because when I was starting Bump Club, I had a startup PR agency 
Two Moms. They're actually called Two Moms Media. And they were just getting started in the Chicago market. And they came to me and they said, we'd really like to get you on TV. You have this expertise about you in the parenting space. And we know you could do some TV. And I said, okay. And so I was their first client. And they started getting me on TV. And I ended up outgrowing them. I mean, right. they did their job so well, I outgrew right. them. And and they understood that, you know, I mean, and, and then I picked up someone else who had more national contacts and, you know, and that was, but you have to start somewhere. That's right. That's right. A little known fact about me. I wrote and published a book when I was a senior in college and I did it with my best friend. It's called A Girl's Guide to a Guy's World. I don't know if you knew this. No, I didn't know this. We wrote it. I mean, she's like, I sound old, but you know, we, I didn't even have like Wi-Fi that wasn't dial up and and we were in different states and we would like go to the computer lab and send the chapters back and forth. Anyway, we get the book published and created. And I say, I don't know what PR is, but we said, we got to get this out there. And we went to New York and we made a list of like 10 women's and, and teenage magazines. And we literally called them. I mean, here we are, 21-year-old girls, and said, we're going to be in New York. We're these authors. Will you meet with us? And they did, you know, and we ended up getting coverage in YM Magazine and 17. And, and you know, that's at, at its core, that's what public relations is. It was literally, we picked up the phone. We knew who our target was. We went and visited. We brought them our books and they wrote about it. And so that was really the start of it all. It's pounding the pavement. It's picking up the phone, being, you know, courageous enough to put yourself out there. Yeah. Asking for the coverage. I mean, these are all like the, like very basic tactics that of course, you know, you started with when you were 20, 21 years old, but you use today. Correct. Correct. The, The basics of a great story, the right media relations, and and getting in front of them that is core to this business since you know the the dawn of time i don't want to go all the way back to the beginning of your career but in the last 8 years how has the landscape changed in public relations you know look influencers is about 50% of our business i mean at the end of the day when you're thinking about um in encouraging trial and building awareness. I mean, influencers, you know, we do a lot of work at the micro influencer level. I think they are the keys to the kingdom on a lot of this. So that's been a big shift. Um, the The lines between paid and, and earned media have blurred. When I started in this business, it was church and state. You know, we would talk to a publisher and they said, we don't talk to the editor. Now, you know, uh, the publishing business is a tough business and they've had to really rethink their revenue streams. So we're seeing a lot more opportunities for sponsored content. You know, so again, it comes across like earned, but a lot of it does have a paid piece. And, and I, you know, we don't hide from that. I mean, I think when we approach clients, it's like you need a combination of all this paid and earned and social and owned. You want to be showing up in all of them. So those are probably the two biggest changes in the industry. I actually have pay for play written on my notes and I wanted to know your thoughts of like, what would be something you would recommend people paying for and something that you would recommend people not paying for? I talk about this a lot. I I do think there's a lot of garbage out there when it comes to pay for play. And 
it's really, if you're going to invest the dollars, it has to be in the right opportunity. Look, it goes back to that strategy piece, right? Like, is this outlet reaching my target audience? Am I able to share the message and the story that in the way I want to? And then I guess the third piece is like, does it, is it authentic and credible? So even if it's paid, like, is it our voices and our experts that are being used for that content? So I think that's a really easy filter. You know, I mean, we get all these emails come our way and our clients and as they go, is this real? Is this real? There is. There's a lot of people trying to, I don't know, make money in a weird way. And so part of our job now has been like auditing those opportunities and digging in. And so we're looking at the credibility of the publication. How many people does it reach? What's the demographics? I mean, that's that's what you got to look into. What are your feelings on, and I wasn't planning on asking this, but I'm going to, what are your feelings on all of these paid awards? Um, You know, I mean, I know now there are a lot of, there's a lot of manpower that comes along with a publication or a media company manning an award. But like when I won Crane's Entrepreneur of the Year in 2014, no one paid anything. I didn't pay an application fee. We applied and I got it. And that's great. And and I feel very like good about that. Right. But now everything is an application fee. And I go back to the credibility though, right? Like, are they giving the award to anybody that pays? If so, I'd forget it. But I agree. Like, I think everything has a paid fee now. We're doing a lot. I, I recommend a lot of them. And I, I think a, if it's the right audience and it's the right industry, do it. And then the other piece you have to think about is the amplification. So, you know, if, if something shows up in a newspaper these days, if something, if you get an award, it's only as good as then if you put it on your LinkedIn and you push that out and then you go to your website and you've got the logo and then you send an email to your customers. I mean, this is, there's like a a big amplification circle that is really important to any coverage or award you get. And if you're not going to do that, don't invest in any of it. I mean, because they can be great credibility builders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you put it up on your social and it's like that you get that added wave. Let's talk for a minute about influencers because you mentioned them a few minutes ago and I know it's a really big part of your business and you said something that I wholeheartedly believe in and that is the word micro-influencer. And, you know, I always tell my clients I would much rather if we're going to pay, especially invest in paying in the right influencer who has a really high engagement among your target audience versus paying a ton of money for a Kim Kardashian millions of people and a lot of it's going to go to waste and you're not going to see any return. So when you're, when you're working with micro influencers, I'd love for you to maybe kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and talk about what people should look for and maybe what they should expect. Yeah. So we put a lot of research into our influencer process. So again, it's like everything I'm saying, right? What's the strategy behind it? Who's their audience? What's their engagement level? So we, we, at any time, usually what we'll do is we'll put together a wish list of 30 to 50 influencers we want to work with. And we, we research them, right? Like what are they posting? What kinds of content? And then we reach out and we ask for their demographic information. Who are they reaching? 
they have to share their insights, like their engagement levels. And then it's a negotiation, you know, I mean, it is. And, and a lot, a lot of times um, it depends on what your product is. Like you can just send it to them and, and hope that, you know, there's just a, that trade that they love it so much. They'll share it. Sometimes there is a, um, a future, you know, and how do you make it better for them? You know, we'll, if you're interested and you post this, we'll give you 10 uh, products to give away. And then oftentimes now there is a, a fee associated. Um, but I'd say, I guess to answer your question, right, I'd look at engagement levels, I'd look at reach, and I'd look at the types of content they're doing. So I want to shift gears for the last part of our conversation yeah. and talk about your business okay. and how much it's grown because it has. You just said you have 10 employees. So how how do you manage that whole part of your business? Because I mean, do, do you work on accounts and, and do you manage the business? And what does that look like? I'm laughing because we're, we're definitely at a, a, a growth moment right now. Um, and, and we are, we are maturing our leadership team and our operations. So I would say for the past eight years, you know, I am an account lead, I am an intern. I am a CEO. I am in charge of growth. Um, I have a, an amazing, fabulous second-in-command deputy. She is our client lead. She, I know, and I think this is really important for anybody kind of, you know, moving from solo practitioner to the next level. Like, you got to have a a that partner in business that can take over where you don't, you know, she crosses every T and dots every I. She's so good at that. And that has let me be a little more big picture. I love networking. I love growth. Um, We are now bringing in um, operational support and more financial support. So that's new. And I think it's really critical, right? I think, look, any business, you sort of go through these like growth stages. I mean, zero to three years, you're usually like a solo practitioner and bringing in support. And then three to six years, you start building out a team and and maybe, you know, formalizing some of your processes. And then I think like six to 10 years is when you really have to mature from startup to growth stage. Um, and that's where we are. And so we're really looking at operations, finances, where are the inefficiencies? How do we free up time for our people to do even better work for our clients? I love how you just explained that. And I think it's so important for anyone listening. And for those of you listening, I would hit the back 15, two or three times to listen to Jen say that again, because this is a growth process. Building a business doesn't happen overnight. And I know there are so many people listening who, like me, I'm in your two and a half with yeah. my 2.0. And it's just me. And like you said, I have a couple of freelancers here and there who are helping. And as we grow, we will I will hopefully hire, you know, an employee, maybe two. We'll see. But what Jen just said is that it doesn't happen overnight and you really have to grow with the process and yes. follow the process. And what you just said is so smart that I, I really, anyone who's listening needs to go back and re-listen to that. But well, and Lizzie, I just want to echo, I think as women also, we're so hard on ourselves and we're always like, what could we have done better? Oh my God, I haven't made it as far as I wanted. You know, I think that, you know, another thing that's just important for everybody listening is like, 
This is hard stuff. If you are trying to grow a business, it is hard and it is not straight uphill. So take the wins, you know, and like take a moment to look back and celebrate how far you've come and then focus on where you got to go next. When you say you're going to bring in operational and financial support, are you bringing in people full time? Are you bringing in people fractionally? Like, how are you managing that? Because I think that that also is important for people. We're doing fractional and consultant roles. And I think, you know, that's right for us. It's right for us right now. I don't know that's right for everyone, but the goal is we get the education in these areas, we get set up for success. And then you know, they might stay on or they might train people within our team that want to grow into those areas. Which is so smart because at the end of the day, you also can get that knowledge, that intuition, that growth, and maybe you end up hiring them or someone else to be a full-time CFO or COO or whatever it is. I mean, I think taking it slow is the key to what you just said. And when you bring in people from the outside fractionally, you're, it, that al- it allows you to do that. That's right. Right? Yeah. All right. So Jen, as we wrap up, I want you to tell me what are three things that you would tell someone who's just getting started with their business, actionable items that you would tell them to do? You know, first off, I'd say have a plan. Build out a business roadmap for year one. If you don't know where you're trying to go, you will not get there. And I don't think I did that in year one. I I was sort of like, I'm a mind for hire and I just took whatever I could get, but we've gotten more and more sophisticated with our planning. And I think it helps, right? Know what the destination is. Number two is not a board, build yourself a personal advisory board. It I don't mean an actual board, But who are those experts, especially in the areas that you don't know, that you can call for counsel and and ask them, say, I want you to be a part of my personal advisory board, right? I mean, legal, mental health, I mean, business, um, product, whatever it is, you, you, when you're starting out, there's so much you don't know. And there are so many people that are willing to share that with you. So I would really formalize a little bit of a personal board. And number three is just get networking, get out of the house, go to events, sign up for everything. I mean, you just, you never know who you're going to meet and where that is going to lead to. And so, you know, have your product, have your business card, go and tell your story to as many people as you can. I had a, a an advisor, a personal advisor that I met with, and he said he has 15 important meetings a week. And that sounds like a lot, right? But that's three a day. You meet someone for coffee, you meet someone for lunch and an afternoon coffee. If you can't get to 15, that's okay. Start with five, you know, but you can do that. And again, if one of those per month leads to something, it's pretty amazing. It is. And I so appreciate you sharing all of those tips. I do want to say before I conclude that when I love the personal advisory board tip because, and and I love that tip. And one of the things I want to say about that is think about how you can contribute back to someone else's personal advisory board through your own expertise. That's exactly right. Congratulations on all your success and you're a great role model for all your listeners. Well, thank thank you. you. I appreciate that. 
Jen Badner, founder and CEO of Babbitt Badner, a communications consultancy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. I think that this episode is jam-packed and filled with so much amazing wisdom. So thank you. Jennifer Bodner is a force, and I hope that you are walking away with so many tangibles from today's conversation because she shared so much knowledge and wisdom with us in that short half hour that we were with her. So I want to leave you with my top takeaways from my conversation with Jen. As always, I have more than a few, but I'm going to leave you with five. So grab your pen and paper and make sure that you write them down. Number one, it's all in who you know. Number two, Pull up your boots and go get to it. Number three, know what the destination is. Number four, be yourself, build yourself a personal advisory board. Experts, people who can who can surround you and who you can call on for counsel no matter what. And number five, network, network, network. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. I want to thank Jen for being here with us. So many amazing tidbits of information. I'd love to know which was your favorite. Please feel free to drop me a line. Let's talk about it. And for now, I want to thank you for listening and thank you for being here and stay tuned for another incredible episode coming your way later this week.